I'm Mandy, for anyone I haven't met before. So anybody who was here last week, hey baby, will remember, don't touch that, don't touch that, will remember that we were talking about um, listening to the voices and stories from people we don't typically privilege in um, churches and in society at large. I like to say the, the people we hear about, but we don't hear from. And I think that's really exciting. It's something I'm really excited to be doing more of, hearing from the first Australians, women, LGBT, recent immigrants, people living with mental illness or disabilities. And I think that's great. But then when I thought about myself doing it, I felt a little um, guilty. I felt like it'd be really inappropriate for someone like me to share their experiences. Because to be honest, I don't feel especially voiceless. All I see is that I'm white, I'm Christian, I have tertiary qualifications, and I'm in my 30s living in a city. So all I see is the unearned privilege that comes with the very lucky hand I got dealt at birth. I don't see the barriers that I might experience from being born female. And it's kind of annoying because I really would like to be able to categorise people and their experiences into the disadvantaged and the systematically advantaged. I kind of want it to work like that. And I know that mine, and I'm guessing everyone here, their experiences are much more complicated. That while I know that no doubt um, I'd be in a higher position in my job were I born male, but um, I know that the degrees I have, my geographical location, um, my ethnicity means that I still have a greater job security than the vast majority of Australia's men. And in church settings, I know that the benefits of coming from seven generations of ministers and missionaries sits alongside the knowledge that I would be barred from holding certain positions in churches regardless of my contribution. All of those advantages and disadvantages all swirl around and interact together to explain my experiences in the world. And I'm sure everyone here would say the same thing of their life as well. And then it gets even more complicated when I try and figure out what to do about it or try and figure out how are we going to respond and how are we going to talk about the issues of discrimination and learn how to talk to people and interact with other people and their stories when it's not so nicely differentiated into those and them. And I'm sure most people are fairly aware of the uh, phenomenon of implicit bias or um, unconscious bias and the wealth of studies that have been um, done recently and for the last several decades on this issue, like the resume studies, where they get the same identical resume, but put like a male and a female name, and there'll be a statistically significant large number of responses to the male um, name, as well as when they do a classically European name, as opposed to a obviously not classically European name, the same results. or the studies in um, observational and in um, controlled settings that find that women are systematically interrupted at a greater rate than men, or the studies that find that people of colour are systematically, um, systematically have their pain reports devalued and are less likely to be prescribed appropriate medication. These are, this is a well-studied phenomenon and I'll make sure there is a whole bunch of references when I go and put this online. If anybody would like to look into this further, um, and please do. But the thing that's always struck me when reading through a lot of these studies was that the results were actually the same regardless of the gender and race of the participants in the studies. 
So the study on women being interrupted more, it was the same by women. Women were more likely to interrupt women. And it was the same for um, health physicians who were black, were, more were just as likely to deny black patients appropriate pain medication and downgrade their reports of pain. The evidence would suggest that this isn't an issue of us versus them, of good versus bad, of black, white, man and woman, the discriminated and the discriminating, that we might all be in this mess together, that we might all be us and we might all be them, which is really inconvenient because I kind of want it to work like that. I really would like it to be us on the side of good who are not obviously racist and homophobic and misogynist against those over there who just aren't as woke as me. That's how I really want it to work. I want it to be binary because then my responses can just be blame and I can rail against the church and the patriarchy and the white hegemony and then I can respond with pity and, if I'm honest, condescension to the others, to the disadvantaged in this system. And the problem with those responses is that both of them give me cover to avoid being part of the solution that is in me, the part of the problem that is in me. It cuts me out of it. And the problem with that is that the issue of implicit bias isn't going anywhere. So our unconscious processing actually handles the bulk of what we are doing and our functioning. It's what actually takes care of the physical amount of the driving so that you can think about the directions or something else. It's what puts the road into like the background so that you can suddenly respond to I don't know, a kangaroo or a child jumping in front of you that enables you to jump forward upon that. It's our brain is going to always be forming patterns and turning them into stereotypes, into grids, into shortcuts. Do not know me. So that we can then use that information to learn new things or um, respond to new stimuli that's being presented. I won't go into any more neuropsych lecture, but I can put some forward on the site as well if someone would like it. But the summary of it is, is that I'm not, my brain is not going to progress beyond unconscious bias or explicit bias, which is really annoying. <laughs> I really like to see myself as egalitarian, or at the very least, I'd like to see myself as having progressed beyond such prejudices. But I'm not free from this issue. And unfortunately, I have a lot of evidence to that fact. I remember not long ago going to a church type event and chatting with a bloke there and in the conversation, we're talking about an area that I've practiced in for 10 years and have done six years of training before that. And I quoted some random statistic about something depressive like suicide and child abuse to have the response come back at me, are you sure that sounds a bit out there? And for two minutes later to have my husband, who is like brilliant, but in a completely, completely different field than I work in, literally quote the statistic I'd said, that he only knows because I told him, to have the response be, oh wow, that's bad. And of course, you know, like that's annoying, right? And I was seething a little bit on the inside and doing my little fist thing. But that didn't stop me from the very next day going to work and being introduced to a new psychologist working in my building who just happened to wear quite a bit more makeup than I tend to wear at work and responding in that moment of, oh my gosh, she must not be very smart to need to dress like that. <laughs> Despite the fact that 
the face of the evidence would be that they were in a higher position than me and had more pieces of paper than I did. They didn't protect me from that instinct of that thought. Or I've, when I was developing um, some social emotional well-being programs for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people and going around speaking around the state about my program and my practice and looking at how it can be implemented in other areas in our state. That didn't stop me from the very next day at a train station when an Aboriginal young man walked up to me to ask the time, instinctively responding with, no, I don't have change. None of my progressivism, my perceived egalitarianism, or the knowledge of all those lovely above-mentioned studies that I just went through, none of that saved me from my thoughts and actions. The thoughts and actions which endorse and maintain the systems that keep people voiceless, disempowered and disadvantaged, even when it can be my own disadvantage that is being maintained by my thoughts and actions. So what can we do? I think we need to start with humility. We all fall short. None of you or I are actually done on this issue and we probably won't be. Admitting that although we are kind, we are caring, we are intelligent, and we're the sort of people that would never ever actually want to hurt another human being, that doesn't free us from those thoughts. But admitting it, admitting that we're wrong, admitting that sometimes our thoughts are wrong actually gives us freedom to stop justifying them. It's, it, it gives us a power to not be defensive and come up for reasons for why we responded to individual A, individual B or group C. And it actually gives us a platform to start looking at how we might improve our responses and therefore change the systems that are actually keeping certain people disadvantaged and entrenched. The other thing I think we need to do is thought challenging, which is another like psychobabbly word. But it basically means I think we need to learn how to question our immediate responses, to take captive every thought. I think we need to practice when we are meeting new people, or maybe we're just in a group of people we already know very well, to hold ourselves genuinely accountable to the thoughts that go through our minds and ask ourselves some questions that we really might not like the answers to. Do we find ourselves leaning in and listening a little bit harder to some individuals rather than others? Do we instinctively walk into a room and presume that on the balance of probabilities, our contributions are going to be the most valuable? Or conversely, do we presume that based on our age, our race, education, experience, sexuality or gender, that our thoughts and opinions are less valuable? 